Shit We've Read is a proud member of Bilo Network, a network of geeky podcasts. Please visit shitweavered.com to support the show. Now let's talk about some books. Hello, Internet Bookworms, and welcome to a very special episode of Shit We've Read, a sci-fi and fantasy book podcast hosted by some geeky friends. My name is Jason Rico, and I will be one of your hosts on today's episode, where we will be chatting with debut author Jenna Voris, who has a book coming out at the end of this month called Maid of Stars. Uh, it is a Y science fiction, um, but before you know, we can get to that interview, which we did with her, and it was a lot of fun, I need to introduce my co-host. First on the mic, we have Laura Benson. What's up, Laura? Hey, glad to be here. Excited for this. Glad you could join us for this. Um, I know this is a book that you're excited to read as well. Yes, yes. Very, very, very excited. Awesome. And then, of course, we also have Bella Romero. Hey, Bella. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Pretty good. I'm excited to talk about the book. Awesome. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, before we uh, kick it to the interview with Jenna, I do again want to s- remind everybody that the book is called Made of Stars. That is a book we'll be talking about, which is a young adult science fiction, which I feel is is a little different. I feel like most YA books are fantasy. Mm-hmm. The YA science fiction is kind of, kind of a little different. Um, the book itself is going to be available in a hardcover on March 28th from Viking Books for Young Readers, which is an imprint of Penguin Random House. It'll also be available in ebook and audiobook formats. So however you want to consume your books, it is available for you. Uh, so I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, all right. So before we get to the interview, Laura, do you want to t- read us the synopsis? Sure. I would love to. <clears throat> Shane and Ava are a team. He steals the aircraft, she charms their mark, and together they take what they need. Not even their distracting chemistry could get in the way. Until Shane was caught and left to rot on a prison moon. Now, freshly escaped from confinement and simmering with anger, he has his sights set on his biggest job yet. Cyrus just graduated from the Flight Academy with a shiny new position lined up reporting to a well-respected general. On his very first assignment, he stops the outlaws in their tracks. Or he would have if the annoyingly handsome Lark hadn't fallen for Ava's deception. But when Shane uncovers a top-secret plot that would leave his homeworld at the mercy of Cyrus's military leaders, he makes it his mission to thwart them at all costs. It isn't long before Shane and Ava make interstellar headlines with each new heist. And thanks to a chance run-in with the Rebels, Cyrus is caught between two versions of the truth. He must pick a side and fast, because Shane and Ava will bring the planet to its knees, or die trying. Oh boy, don't you just hate when someone's annoyingly (laughs) handsome? Ugh, so, (laughs) so terrible. (laughs) What a burden. I know. Uh, um, okay. Reminder that this episode that you're listening to now will be releasing before the book does. So we will not be getting into any of the meat and potatoes of the book. So this episode is going to be entirely spoiler free as we don't want to ruin that for anybody. 
Unless, of course, you're listening to this after the book has already released, in which case, go get it. But again, there's still no spoilers here. So I just want to make that perfectly clear. It was it was very difficult to not bring up details when we were talking to to Jenna because there were so many things that I wanted to ask her about the different characters and parts of storyline. But it was still really fun talking to talking to her about like her writing process and stuff with this book. So it'll be an enjoyable listen. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It's uh I mean the whole premise of the podcast is we talk about the shit we've read and <laughs> not being able to talk about it kind of is against everything we stand for. But uh Yeah. But it was awesome talking to her. Um and I think everybody listening will really get a kick out of it. And lastly, we don't touch upon this at all in our discussion, uh, again, because we don't talk about the uh, the book's plot at all, really. Uh, but I do want to mention that the book itself does have a few content warnings. So after listening to this interview, if you're thinking of checking out the book and you want to you know, educate yourself and prepare yourself, you can get a list of those content warnings on Jenna's website, which is Jenna M, as in Mary, Voris.com. Uh, so go over there, take care of yourself. Yeah, uh, I think we have stalled long enough, and it is time, finally, to kick it over to our interview with author Jenna Voris. Let's do it. Uh, where we talk a little bit about her inspiration for this book. Uh, she, you know, talked us through her writing process. We talk about Taylor Swift, strangely enough, um, <laughs> and then maybe get her to give us a little peek at her next book. So, without further ado... Here you go. Enjoy. Hi, Jenna. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us and agreeing to talk to us about your new book, which I know we are all so excited to discuss. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, Before we get into the book here on the podcast, we have a tradition Mm -hmm. of starting off our episodes by asking each other what are some of the other books or as we lovingly refer to it, uh, what is some of the other shit we've been reading, um, aside from our main book of discussion? So my first question to you is, what are some other books that you've recently read or are currently reading that may be noteworthy? I literally today just finished Ravel by Lysamia Smith, which is Mm -hmm. a YA fantasy. It's like Moulin Rouge inspired, which is Mm -hmm. super fun. Um, I also just, uh, got yesterday and very excited to start reading Delicious Monsters by LaSalle Sanbury yeah. and yeah. Nightbirds by KJ Armstrong. Very cool. Nice. Uh, we read, we read one of LaSalle's books, uh, for an episode and, uh, oh, yeah. we all really enjoyed it. So that's on my list. One day. Okay. Um, can you tell us and anybody else who's listening who may not be familiar with your new book or even you since you are a debut author, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what to expect from the book? You know, can you give us the byline of what the book is about? Yeah. I feel like every time someone is like doing an elevator pitch, every word leaves my mind. Sure, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a, a YA sci-fi Bonnie and Clyde retelling in space about two teenage outlaws and the pilot who is tasked with hunting them down. Okay. So Bonnie and Clyde in space. What was it about the story of Bonnie and Clyde that inspired you to write your own reimagining? And then also why put it in space? Um, I was a theater kid in high school. And um, if you don't know, there is a a Broadway adaptation of Mm -hmm. the Bonnie and Clyde story um, on Broadway as a musical. So that was how I was first introduced to the story. um, Because I was a big fan of Jeremy Jordan, who was one of the actors in the musical at the time. 
I'm still a big fan of Jeremy Jordan. I feel like I get to shout him out every time I do one of these interviews. Um, but I was, again, a theater kid in high school, so I was familiar with that soundtrack. So when I sat down to write this book, it was when I was in the middle of querying my first um, very bad book that will never see the light of day. Um, and I didn't really know much about publishing at the time, but uh, I did know that people said that you should be working on something new um, while you were querying just to kind of keep your mind off of things. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the time, I didn't really know uh, what else to write because that first book was the only thing that I'd ever written. I had written it for like the last three years when I was in college um, and I didn't think I had any other ideas. Um, but I was listening to my Spotify playlist one night and a song from the Bonnie and Clyde musical came on my shuffle. And I was like, actually, I feel like I could write like this. Like it was a lot of interesting like emotions and obviously big fan of Jeremy Jordan. And in my, in my mind at the time, I was like, this is like a cheat code because there's like already a story and like already characters and like, I won't even have to do any work. And obviously that's not true. Like I did spend the next two years, like completely rewriting the book. Um, but that was where like the initial spark of inspiration came from. Um, and the space element is honestly a combination of the fact that like, I'm like not good at science is the thing, but space really like the concept is just so terrifying. And I feel like it elevates the stakes of whatever story you are telling just because the atmosphere and like the vibes of the setting are also trying to kill you. Oh, how interesting. My first assumption would have been that adding uh, the space element would have come out of like the desire to to add a coolness factor, you know, um, but you looked at it as an opportunity to add in higher stakes. That's that's yeah. really cool. Um, so you mentioned how you thought writing a Bonnie and Clyde retelling would be easier because the story is already in place which actually leads nicely to my next question, which is uh, what were some of the benefits, but also some of the constraints you found when adapting an already existing story? I had a lot of fun with the retelling aspect just because I like research and um, I got to like go into my like scholarly mode and check out a bunch of books from the library. Um, and the first draft or like the first few drafts that I wrote were, it was much like a, it was a much stricter retelling in terms of events and what happened and who was doing what and what happened when. Um, but when I signed with my agent and then my editor, um, they brought up a really important point about how there are basically, there were basically two different stories happening within um, Made of Stars as I had it, which was like Ava and Shane and their group. And then Cyrus was completely separate the entire time. So we did a lot of work and revisions to be able to like really intertwine the three stories to make sure that every character um, was able to play off of each other and have each other as like, um, an enemy, an ally, and it just made the book stronger overall. But that also was not something that I was thinking about in terms of like a strict retelling in the first few drafts, um, because that's obviously not historically accurate. Um, and as the book went on, and as we did draft after draft after draft, um, it just became clearer what story I was actually trying to tell and what elements I could pull from my research or what elements I could just completely make up because they fit the story. Um, so so yeah, it was honestly just a process of seeing what fit where we ended up. It seems really common, you know, when listening or reading about authors um, and how they set out to tell one story, but sometimes the, the characters or even the story itself dictates where the story actually needs to go, you know, mm -hmm. and you sometimes end up somewhere different than you originally set out to go. It's fascinating to think of stories as uh, almost alive. Um, depending on how you look at the story of Bonnie and Clyde, though, um, and then by extension, Shane and Ava, 
they are criminals and therefore, quote unquote, bad guys. But I think society as a whole loves a good villain. So what do you think makes rooting for a bad guy so much fun to to read about, but also to write? Hmm. Um, I mean, speaking from like a strictly historical setting, um, what was really interesting about my research was that I found that um, even though like Bonnie and Clyde's people were like criminals and doing bad things, the public really viewed them as like these cool like renegades who were standing up to the government and like they were almost like the celebrities at the time um mostly because uh the society was in like a terrible depression it was during the great depression Mm -hmm. um so everyone was kind of like hungry and cold and starving and they were like oh i guess this is also an option like they're sticking it to the man type of vibes um so that was like again really interesting to pull uh from like the historical research and also translate into like what that would feel like in space what that would feel like in like a sci-fi setting um, but I just honestly think characters like that are more interesting because I feel like it's just more realistic. Like most choices people make are not going to be 100% like good or kind. Um, and especially like when you're a teenager, like you're like selfish and messy and you like make decisions that aren't necessarily great for everyone all the time. So I just always have more fun reading about those characters. I feel like it's more realistic. I feel like it's more interesting to not exactly know what's going to happen. So it was exciting to kind of do that with this as well. That's awesome. Uh, I, I think like most people had a very um, basic understanding of Bonnie and Clyde in the story. I knew they're outlaws from the Great Depression, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. But I purposely didn't look up their story before reading your book because I didn't want to like hone in on the differences or similarities. I kind of just want to take your story as it was. Uh, but then afterwards, I went back and looked them up. I did my own research on them, and uh, I agree with you that like the idea of them sticking it to the man and their 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 origin story essentially was very interesting and uh, mm-hmm. I definitely think it plays out very similarly in your book. Yeah. Um, other than obviously Bonnie and Clyde, what other books, authors, TV shows, movies would you say influence made of stars and then perhaps just your writing style in general? Oh my gosh. For made of stars, it was definitely um, Lee Bardugo and the six of crows duology for sure. Okay. Um, it was a really big influence of like the crime found family yeah. and like, one terrible boy who does not like to talk about his feelings. Um, Also the Illuminate trilogy. uh, That was something that I read back in high school or early college. Um, That was like my first like big introduction into, into sci-fi books. Um, And I really loved how interesting like the format was in, in those books Um, and like the um, people versus like the machine people versus the government type of vibes that you get from that trilogy. Um, Definitely Star Wars Rogue One, for sure. That like yes. movie rewrote my brain chemistry yes. in the okay. theaters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was amazing. So yeah, definitely those, for sure. I'm so glad you said Rogue One, because yeah. I was picking up heavy Rogue One vibes in the best yes, possible I way. I see it. Uh, and as I was reading, I was actively trying to figure out any other books that had similar vibes. And although I didn't think of Six of Crows, now that you mis- mentioned it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I, I definitely see those similarities. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for answering uh, my question so far. I'm going to stop hogging the mic and pass it over to Laura for the next part of the interview. Yeah. Laura, take it away. So it's it's always really cool to learn, um, like, the process that goes into um, publishing, writing, and then publishing the book. Um, so from I, I want to first ask, from the moment, you first had the inspiration to tell the story. How long did it take you to write it and complete it? 
Um, with this book, it's interesting because as I, like I said, I had spent so long on my, the first book that I'd ever tried to write, I had spent years and years on it. Um, and with Made of Stars, this was the first book that I had ever tried to outline, mostly because I did have kind of a historical framework that I was able to work off of. So it felt like I could easily divide the book into like, here's where it's starting and like, here's where it's going. And like, here's the midpoint and everything like that. Um, so this is the first book I wrote with an outline. And so I finished the first draft in three months, which was like the quickest that I had ever written. Wow. Anything. I know it was wild. Um, again, <laughs> I spent uh, several years writing, <laughs> rewriting it. Um, but yeah, I finished it the first draft in three months and it was the fastest that I'd ever written anything at the time. Wow. That's, that's a good amount <laughs> to get done in that little amount of time. That's yeah. so cool. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what the, the process was like? Uh, like, um, how did you go from the the outline and translate it into more of the actual fleshed out story? Yeah. Um, once I started outlining, I am someone who needs to know like how it ends so that I know like what I'm building toward. So I always knew um, like what the last chapter of the book was going to be. Um, the mid, the middle section is what has changed the most, um, during my several rounds of revisions. Um, but after I had that completed first draft, um, I actually ended up entering a mentorship contest called author mentor match that pairs, um, uh, published or agented authors with aspiring writers. Um, because at the time I wasn't really having any luck querying it. Um, nobody really wanted to see more. So I was like, okay, maybe something is wrong with the pages. We'll see what's going on. And we essentially rewrote the entire middle of the book, just kind of bringing out the political elements of it and making um, the character arcs stronger and make sense uh, in what they were supposed to be doing with the story. Um, and the, my mentor just essentially taught me so much more about editing and revising and outlining based on character motivations and character wants rather than plot. So I had never really thought of story in terms of character beats before. Um, I had always just been like, you know, when you you look it up online, it's like three X structure, four X structure, here are the plot beats. And that's what I had tried to write off of. But I am a very character focused writer in general. Like dialogue comes really easily to me. I usually like know who the characters are pretty quickly. Um, so when they introduced this like new method of like characters leading the plot, um, that just kind of revolutionized how I looked at storytelling in general. And that's also something that I've just like taken in um, and used for every other book that I've written since. Was there, um, or do you have like a most or least favorite step of the publishing process? Ooh. I mean, I really do hate drafting just because I hate looking at a blank page <laughs> and knowing that like no one else is going to fill it except for me. Like, <laughs> Like after that, I can kind of be like, oh, I'm like waiting on notes from my editor or like, oh, I'm waiting on like marketing to do a cover reveal or something. Um, and it's not like entirely on me, but the the first draft stage when you, especially when you know like what your story could be and you have this like clear vision of it in your mind and then you write. And because obviously it's a first draft, it looks nothing like a finished book. It looks nothing like the beautiful image you have in your head. That is like, it's always discouraging. And it's always something that I just have to remind myself that every time I sit down to write a book, I'm just going to feel like I've never written a book in my life. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult. And then I'm going to get over it and it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. It, it seems a little intimidating being mm -hmm. that that is, that is all on you and everybody else is waiting for you. <laughs> right. Um. 
Uh, you had previously mentioned that you wrote the majority of the first draft in a library. Mm -hmm. First of all, that's really cool. I, I love that. Um, but aside from having a consistent writing space, do you have any other like, you know, ritualistic uh, requirements when you're writing? Like, is there a specific type of music or time of day, that kind of thing? Um, I'm definitely a night person. So my uh, 10 p.m. to like 2 a.m. is really good for me and really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Classic Rico. Yeah. yeah. Vampire. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think part of the reason why I made of stars, I was able to write it so quickly was because it was the summer before I went back to grad school. So I was only working part time. So I did have Ooh. more time to actually sit down and write it out. Um, now that I'm working like a nine to five job that I've been at for a few years, um, it's just a little different. It's kind of like um, when I'm on deadline, I usually just try to write in the evenings whenever I can. Sometimes I'll write on weekends. Sometimes I don't want to do anything on the weekends. Um, so it really depends on what I'm feeling. Um, I do need complete silence, which is annoying. Um, so I have like my, my noise canceling headphones, but music is also like a really important part of my process. I have like really extensive playlists for every character and also for the book um, that I will listen to. And like, if I'm driving to a cafe, I will listen to it like on the drive over, just usually like the same song on repeat over and over. Um, or just like the 10 minutes before I actually like sit down to start writing, I'll just like listen to it on repeat. Um, mm -hmm. and then when I sit down, just like obviously turn it all off and just live with the thoughts in my own head. Kind of like gets you into the right mindset to write that character. Exactly. That makes sense. That's cool. I have, I have a quick question out of curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, so which character's playlist has Getaway Car on it? Oh my gosh, that's actually not on any specific character playlist. I'm looking at it right now. It's on my general, like overall playlist. But thank you for notice knowing that Getaway Car is on my playlist. I mean, <laughs> it's it's like the minute I was like Bonnie and Clyde, like put the money in yeah. the bag and I stole the keys. <laughs> that yeah, was the last time is, you ever saw me. Like, come on. Exactly. I know so. the, the part. The titles of like the different parts, like part one and part two are definitely getaway car lyrics. And I'm just really glad that they let me keep those in. <laughs> it's an essential part of the writing process. So it is. I to have a Taylor Swift reference. That's true. I did finish the first draft of this book um, the day that Taylor Swift dropped Lover, which is interesting because like it's not like a lover book. But every time that I like listen to that album, I'm like, ah, yes, made of stars. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome timing. <laughs> every every like moment of my life is defined by a Taylor Swift album. So yeah, I can definitely <laughs> relate to that. <laughs> yours is, yours is a little bit cooler, but you know, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, well, I have I have just uh one one last question. Um, how, if at all, did the experience of getting Made of Stars publish? Um, how did it change your writing process for like your next book or your next piece of work? Oh my gosh. Interestingly enough, my second YA that's coming out in 2024, I actually wrote that one before I even had an agent. So I didn't have to go through the like dreaded second book syndrome oh. of um, like writing a new book under deadline. Um, and every time that I tell someone that who is, who has gone through that, they're like, you are so lucky. Like, please. <laughs> live in that. Um, so I, I had recently turned in a round of revisions for that book. And even though I was on deadline, it was definitely not as extensive as I thought it would be. Um, but moving forward into the next, hopefully next YA that I'm able to sell and also other projects that I am writing. Um, since I think that there is a, a bigger sense of writing for people who are not just me, 
Um, when I sat down to write Made of Stars, I think it was both like a blessing and a curse that I was like, no one's ever going to see this. It's totally fine. So like I could put all of like all of the tropes and things that I loved about books, I could just put them in mine and not really care. And I could put little Taylor Swift references in, um, not really <laughs> thinking anyone would ever read it. And I mean, it worked out. Hopefully, obviously, there's been a lot of revisions, but like that one worked out. Um, but now I am just like more conscious of the fact that um, it's for me. Yes, obviously, I want to enjoy what I am writing, but I also want it to be something that other people can enjoy and other people relate to. And obviously, there are um, now other people who are reading my book widely for the first time, which is just an added extra layer of pressure. So writing anything new is this like combination of um, trying to be like practical about career decisions and like what you want to write next and um, just like trying to make good choices there. And then also remembering that you're also supposed to have fun with this at the end of the day and that you also have to read your book and that you should enjoy it. It's very true. <laughs> Definitely need to make sure you uh, are spending your time writing something that you like. So, um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to kick this off over to Bella for a few of their questions for you. Yeah. So kind of circling back on the Taylor Swift question, just because I think Rico <laughs> put this in here and I hadn't, I hadn't even thought of it, but you know, our, our favorite characters, we, I mean, I know that this book is like your baby and you obviously, <laughs> you know, never have a favorite child, but if you had to pick one, is there a favorite? And then I'll get into the Taylor Swift part next, I think. But oh <laughs> Oh my gosh. I do. I really love Cornelia. Um, she's, she's also a Sagittarius and I'm a Sagittarius and I just feel like a real bond. I'm a Sagittarius. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, when's your birthday? November 26th. Oh, mine's November 30th. Wow. What? I love this. Anyway. Uh, yeah. That's why so we love Taylor Swift, a fellow Sag. You're so right. <laughs> um, yeah. I've always loved, I've always loved Cornelia. Um, Obviously, I know I'm not supposed to pick like a favorite POV character, but Ava has always been like the heart of the story for me um, and always the one that I was like, that's that's I think like the POV that I would want people to love the most. I I also loved Ava and Cornelia Cornelia because she felt like a kick ass female Luke Skywalker, which is like always my my favorite uh, in in the Star Wars universe. So, I mean, does Cornelia have any reference to Cornelia Street? You said you finished it though before I Lover did. came so, out. So I did finish it before Lover came out, which means that I wrote like the last several chapters and then like laid on my bed to be like, okay, now I get to listen to a Taylor Swift album and then was personally victimized by the song Cornelia Street. I was like, I am like emotionally fragile right now. I don't know what you expected me to do. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So I like that it's unintentional. I, I like that that's unintentional too. Again, that feels like it was made to be made in the stars, right? Like right. I, I, I see the connection now. I love that. Um, you really manifested Cornelia Street. So thank you. For I that. did. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I don't think this is too much of a spoiler for folks who, you know, care about books and diversity of books, but, you know, from pretty early on in the book, you tease a variety of different relationships, um, romances included, um, platonic friendships, but 
how different was it writing those relationships, like kind of switching from like platonic to romantic? And I just want to say, like, I appreciate that that wasn't just a love story. Like there were like a lot of development in these friendships. And I think that that's something, you know, I mean, I read a lot of romance books and maybe it's just my warped point of view, but you don't get a lot of friendship (laughs) books. So (laughs) I don't know. I, I appreciated that this had a good balance of both. So Thanks. Um, I mean, I think some of the most important and influential relationships in my life are are friendships. Um, And I think that there's like a really interesting, um, almost kind of like magic that can be found in just like those everyday relationships that aren't necessarily romantic. And I also have like some of my very best friends are like men too. And I also love the fact that like you can have platonic friendships between like men and women and it never has to be romantic and you are able to like support each other in that same way no matter what so that was important for me to include um just because I feel like it's so um it's such a part of like who I am and such a big part of like my experience that like these friendships are so important to me um and then also I just think that that's kind of how it is growing up like as a teenager too you're also like a little bit in love with everyone and like have a crush on everyone but also like you know who your people are and like that's just like what's gonna get you through I love that. I like it. It felt very authentic. And I think that that really shone through in the writing. And um, I can tell it was a big part for you. So I, I think our readers or our listeners, sorry, will like that and readers will like that. Um, so, you know, when you're not reading, what are you doing? Or sorry, when you're not writing or reading, what do you do? What is what is that sort of like rounds out the whole picture of you here? Yeah, um, I've recently uh, tried to pick up some hobbies that are not like competitive hobbies. Um, so I've started knitting and crocheting this year, which is very exciting. I'm making a sweater. Um, except that like when I started learning how to knit, I like turned to my friend and I was like, okay, so like, how do you know that you're the best at knitting? Like, how do I win knitting? And she was like, no, that's not, that's not the point. Um, <laughs> that's not fine. the point. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's knitting racing, right? Is that a thing? <laughs> right. I was like, we're trying to steer away from that. It's okay. Um, I am on a kickball team, which is very, I live in DC, which is very, uh, Washington DC is that being on an intramural kickball league. I'm so um, jealous. I know. Right. That sounds uh, fun. It's really fun. You get to like play under the Washington monument and feel like you're in an episode of the West wing. It's great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I like that. I like hiking. Wow. Um, anything that gets me outside and not like thinking about publishing is great. Makes sense. I respect that. Um, I work in politics, so I also have done an intramural kickball league here in Sacramento under the mm-hmm. Capitol, basically. I mean, down the street, but, um, and also am a reformed competitive person. So I also do crochet and knitting and try Wait, not to Wait, you're competitive? competitive? No. <laughs> okay, but like, who amongst like- the two of you is the most competitive? Go. We're going to fight about it. We <laughs> go. Stop it. We're trying to get away from that, Rico. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm just jealous that I, I haven't been a kickball team because I really want to do kickball. There's a there, Here in Sacramento, we have a, yeah. an adult social league, and that's mm-hmm. one of the, the events or sports that they do. Uh, but I haven't had any friends who want to do it with me. And I don't want to, like, join a random team and make new friends. Ugh. Ugh. Gross. <laughs> Yeah, I did it with friends and that like people I kind of knew and that still like wasn't great because I was like, yeah, they're not my friends. (laughs) I know them, but it's not nearly as fun. (laughs) Wow. So I can understand that, Rico. Um, (laughs) 
So is, I mean, is there anything else you want our listeners to know? Anyone who's going to read the book to know a little bit more about you or the story, what we can find, anything that you feel like we've missed and our questions that you feel like is critical? Um, I don't think so. I mean, it comes out March 28th, um, available for pre-order now, and I really hope you like it. I'm, I'm pretty sure people will enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I definitely loved it. I, uh, yeah. I, I tried spacing it out so I can mm. like really focus in on it more so I can you know, talk about it a little bit more. Uh, otherwise, I probably would have just like devoured it all in one night. No, <laughs> it was amazing. really hard to like set it down after my, my 70 page mark every day. It's like, mm. all right, stop. But, uh, See, I, I, I did the opposite. So oh. <laughs> I, well, first of all, when, when I saw this book was coming out, I was really excited. I was like, this sounds like a really fun book. I'm excited to read this. And then I don't stay up late very often to just fully read as much as I can. And then I, it was suddenly like two, three o'clock and I was like almost done. I was like, oh my gosh, I read that so fast. Wow, I'm sorry for wrecking your sleep schedule. <laughs> oh no, I, I, it worked great. I, I loved this book. It was a lot of fun reading. Those are the Thank best you. books when you stay up all night reading it. Like that's how you know you're really yeah. connected. So it's a all nighters club book for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I mentioned to you, Jenna, and on email because uh, you had reached out to us, and then the publisher also yeah, reached yeah. out separately. And the publisher gave us a couple books just to kind of get on our radar. And one of them was this one. And so we had talked about it. Like, this is the one we want to read. Like, this is the one that gets us oh, excited. Thank you. And then when you reached out, I was like, well, that's even more serendipitous because, like, that's the one we wanted to read anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's been great chatting with you. Thank you for writing this book. Congratulations on, on you know, being an author now. It's, it's going out in the world pretty soon. That's super exciting. It feels like it's like so close. I feel like I've been talking about this book for so long and now it's like about to come out that I like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I have to start talking about it like in present tense where I'm like, ah, this is my book that is out. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We'll see. Um, really quick. I have one question. Earlier you mentioned some, some of your favorite tropes uh, or you brought up favorite tropes and I wanted to know yeah. what, what are some of your favorite tropes? Ooh. Like in Made of Stars or just like in general? In general, in general, just in, in, general. in general. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious too. I love like a classic, like forced proximity or only one bed. Um, that always hits. <laughs> um, uh-huh. One that I feel like only works in fiction. Um, I've been reading a lot of rom-coms and like romance lately. I feel like second chance romance only works in fiction because I feel like in books, it's so like angsty and fun. But, like in real life, if like I ever tried to go back to like an ex, I would have seven friends who would be like, stop it, put down your phone, don't text him. And it would be like a whole <laughs> Um, but like in books, it's great. Um, I love, I've come around to like a friends to lovers, um, which is super fun. Um, yeah, I think those are my top. Oh, I love a grumpy sunshine. Yeah. Those are probably yeah. my top. Mm-hmm. I agree with all of that. Yeah. 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 Those are good. <laughs> I'm still on a discovery of, uh, what my, my favorite tropes are. I don't. Yeah. I thought it was tentacles, Rico. Ooh, that's Listen, that's the, whole, that's, that's the whole other episode. <laughs> that's not what we're it's talking a long about today. Running, it's a long-running joke, Jenna. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Anyhow, moving on. <laughs> it just every episode, we got to bring it up. Um. <laughs> All right, lastly, can you, can you give us any teases as to what your next 
project will be? Yes. Um, it's, it's very different, which I think is super fun. Um, my next YA is actually a YA contemporary, so it's not in space at all. Um, and it's coming out next spring. And it's um, about a, it's like a sapphic road trip book about a girl whose favorite singer dies and leaves behind this time capsule um, that's only to be opened at her funeral. But when they open it, it is empty. So <gasps> this girl goes on a cross-country quest to find the missing time capsule. Um, and it's also du- dual POV. Uh, with uh, the singer's journey as well. That sounds really cool. Yeah. I'll be reading that one too. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I was like stuck inside in 2020 and like watching National Treasure too many times. (laughs) Not not possible. You're right. That's right. Yeah, I was like, that does not sound like a waste of time. What are you talking about? (laughs) Have you watched the TV show by any chance? I did watch the TV show. I enjoyed it. I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll check it out then. <laughs> well, Riley Poole was like a really big influence on me as a child. Um, I don't know if you could tell from reading Made of Stars where there's like a quirky little computer guy. Um, but uh-huh. Riley Poole is like kind of like the blueprint for men, in, in my opinion. Um, and he uh, guest stars with an episode that. on the show. So that's something to look forward yeah. to. <laughs> awesome. Um, cool. Laura, Bella, were there any other questions you want you wanted to ask? No, I'm just, I'm excited for other folks to listen to the, or to, sorry, listen to this episode and hopefully read the book because it's, it's yeah. a great one. So Thank always you. support a fellow Swifty too. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this, this was a really great book. I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to, to jump on here and chat with us. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed that Cornelia wasn't known after Cornelia Street, only because like me not being a Swifty whatsoever. When I made that connection, I felt like that meme of like what's his name, Charlie Day, from yeah. with all the like the the board uh, behind him. I was like, I make a connection here, people, and so I put that in for Bella, and it wasn't even a real connection. So. It wow. was completely yeah, Rico, Rico, you were clowning yourself. Yeah. Oh well. He's on. He's on TikTok, like Swift Talk. Like, okay, oh, yeah. so she wore purple today, which means Speak Now is coming, and she like accidentally showed like her middle finger, which means it could be the third second half. or the third day of the month. What else <laughs> am I going to do at two a.m. in the morning? You know, no. that's completely recent. Midnight. Maybe maybe Jenna was having like you know a manifest connection. Huh? With Taylor Swift, and and that's maybe maybe it is from from her. I, I agree. She sent me a message. Yeah, in my mind, I thought you were about to be like she did actually message me, and I was like, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> I was about to get so excited, but still, in mental message, delusional or real, I support it. It's yeah, exciting I- nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, again, um, I know we've mentioned it a few times already, but it's worth mentioning again that Made of Stars is out March 28th, which if you're listening to this episode right when it releases, it's only two weeks away. So first and foremost, thank you for listening. But more importantly, that means that there is still time to pre-order. Either way, I definitely recommend you get this. Um, Mm -hmm. I know I speak for everyone here when I say that it's a fantastic debut novel and I uh, genuinely cannot wait to see what you write in the future. I am already sold on the description for your next book. So, uh, yeah. Amazing. Thank you again so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you and follow you and keep up with all your stuff? Yeah. Um, basically on any social media platform, I'm just at J 
Jenna Vorest with my full name. And then my website is Jenna M as in Mary uh, Vorest.com. Nice. Cool. Thank you again, Jenna, for joining us. Uh, super excited Yay. to have you on there. Um, and uh, yes, for Laura and Bella. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Shoot We've Read is hosted by Laura Benson, Jason Rico, and Bella Romero, with music by Joshua Chilton and editing by Jason Rico. To join the discussion on this and all other books we've read, find us at Shit We've Read on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. For more information about us or to request transcripts, please visit shitweavered.com. This podcast is part of the Bilo Network. Visit bilonetwork.com for more great geeky podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah.